Hey there, my name is Derek Duvall, and I'm the lead pastor of Awakened City Church in Harriman, Utah, a suburb of Salt Lake City. And I want to thank you for checking us out. Awakened City exists to connect people from all walks of life with the hope that's found in Jesus. And we hope this message will be a blessing to you. For more information, you can visit awakenslc.com. a seat. If you uh, want to, there should be a Bible somewhere around you. We are going to be in Mark chapter 10 uh, is where we will be today. If you're just joining us, then you should know that we are at the end of a series in which we have been looking at uh, an Advent series. Advent meaning the coming or the arrival of, obviously, Jesus. Uh, But we've been looking at uh, what Jesus said when, and the name of the series is, For This Reason... I have come. And we've been looking at five statements each week, looking at one statement uh, and hearing from uh, Jesus on the reason he came. Because if there is one person we want to hear from and why he came, if we're celebrating his coming, then it's Jesus. So we've been taking one uh, statement a week and looking at it uh, and, and asking, why did he do this? Why did he come? And so this morning, we are going to focus on, uh, for the next few minutes, Mark chapter 10, one verse, verse 45. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible somewhere around you. It's blue. It will also be up on your screens. If you don't own a modern translation of God's Word, let's consider it a Christmas gift. You can take it with you. Actually, we give it to you every week. So, uh, but it sounds better if I say it's a Christmas gift, right? We want you to have God's word in your home, so you can uh, keep that, you can use it, uh, and, and no one will look at you strange, but Mark chapter 10, verse 45 is where it will be. Let me read it, and then we'll, we'll jump into it. It says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so this morning, what I want us to see in just uh, the, the short time that we have is I want to see that Jesus came to serve us and to save us. And ultimately, he came to die. You say, wait a minute, he came to die. Isn't that the Easter message, right? That doesn't sound like a very Christmassy message. He came to die. Maybe maybe for Christmas we could talk about, like, you know, remember when the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy. Like, that sounds like a better Christmassy text, right? Uh, And I understand talking about Jesus' death, might not seem like a, quote, Christmas message, but I can assure you that it could not be any more Christmas-y, if that's a word. It could not be any more Christmas-y because Christmas is not Christmas if Jesus doesn't come to die. And that's the reason that we celebrate his birth, because we know why he came. Right? We celebrate his birth because we know why he came. And we don't just celebrate that he died, we celebrate, celebrate why he died. And that was to, as we just looked at, to give his life as a ransom for many. And so what I want to do uh, in, in our time this morning is I want to look at one final reason that Jesus gave for why he came. And for us to, to see ultimately that this is the main reason he came, to give his life. To give his life. And then we'll end by seeing how this matters for you and I today. Sound good? All right, even if it doesn't, I'm doing it anyways. 
So let's look at the statement Jesus makes. The first thing I want us to pay attention to is uh, his initial words here. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And I point this out because I, th I think it's important for us to understand that Jesus did not come so that, so that we could serve him. He didn't come looking for servants. He, he didn't come looking for us to, to be his servant, but instead he came to be our servant, he says. Unlike every other religion where their God needs to be served, we serve a God who is all-sufficient. He doesn't need anything from us, and he has come to, he has not, rather, come to enslave us, but he's come to free us. That's so important for us to get. Look at what Luke says in Acts chapter 17. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Verse 25. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind, life and breath and everything. Luke says, our God doesn't need anything from us. He isn't lacking anything. And besides that, anything that we could offer him was his to begin with, right? We get that if we're parents. Anything that could be offered to us is ours to begin with. If, if our parents got us, I mean, if our kids got us Christmas gifts, they just gave us what was already ours, right? They just used our money to buy us a gift that was already ours, right? We get it. And so, that's what, that, that's what it's like when we try to serve God to gain something. We're trying to bribe him with what's already his. What's already rightfully his, and so that's not going to work. Instead, and listen to this. This is pointed out to me this week as I was preparing, so it's not original to me. When, when you and I choose to become a Christian, we don't become, listen, we don't become his servant. We don't become his helper. Get this. He becomes our servant and our helper. Jesus becomes our helper. Did you catch that? Well, that's why the writer of Hebrews can say this in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6. He says, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. This is, this is so important for us to hear this morning. When we put our full trust in Jesus, he becomes a helper to us. And that, pay attention, that, all of his what seem like radical and impossible commands are no longer things that we do in our, uh, no longer things that we do in our own strength for him, but things in which he empowers us to do for others. Let me say that again. All of his what seem like radical and impossible commands are no longer things we do in our own strength for him, but things in which he empowers us to do for others. And this is why becoming a Christian is such a humbling thing. Because we're admitting that we need help. We need help. And so we turn to Jesus and we say, I can't be or do what I know I'm supposed to be and do. I can't on my own. I need Something way beyond myself and what's inside of me. I need you, Jesus. I need you to do what you said you came to do, to serve me. I need you to help me. And you may be thinking, doesn't that dishonor Jesus to say he's our servant and our helper? That kind of sounds like the opposite. Well, it would if by that we meant he exists to submit to us. 
or to help us however we need help. But if we see him, Jesus, as our helper in the sense that we are weak and needy, he is not dishonored but honored by a recognition that we are needy and he alone is the one who can help us. That makes sense? He is our servant, not because he submits to us. He is our servant because we recognize, I need help. I can't do it on my own. Listen, I said a few weeks ago, but, but Christmas is first condemnation on us before it's a celebration for us. It's first condemnation on us before it's a celebration for us. If, if Jesus came, which he did, that's why we're here celebrating, right? If Jesus came, then that's proof that we need help. That we can't do what is required on our own. We need help. And Jesus says, that's why I came. And ultimately, the reason in which I came to serve you. Look again at Mark chapter 10, verse 45. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus didn't just come to serve us. He came to ransom us. That word ransom that Jesus uses here carries this idea of a payment that's being made to release someone from some kind of, of bondage or slavery or debt. And so the implication that Jesus is making here is that his death was a ransom, it was a payment made to release many from the bondage and slavery, from, from a debt that was owed. And so plain and simple, what Jesus is saying here is that he came to die to give his life so that others could go free. He came to die and give his life so others could go free. That reminds me of a story you may have heard before. I heard several years ago about the heroics of a little boy. Uh, a volunteer at Stanford Hospital had shared the story about how uh, they had gotten to know this little girl named Liza in the hospital, and she was suffering from a very uh, rare and serious, very serious disease. And the doctor, as he, as he tells the story, things were not looking good, uh, and the doctors believed that his only chance of living was to get a blood transfusion from her little brother, five-year-old little brother, because he had miraculously survived this disease. And so his body had built up antibodies to fight this off. And so they believed the only way in which Liza lives is if they, if her five-year-old little brother can give a, a blood transfusion for him or for her. And so as the volunteer tells it, the doctor explained the situation to her little brother and, and asked, asked him if he would be willing to give his blood to his sister. And he thought about it for a minute, hesitated. And then he took a deep breath and he said, yeah, I'll do it if it means it'll save her life. I'll do it. And so as the transfusion progressed, he laid in the bed next to his sister and smiled at her as her face began to, color began to come back to her cheeks. And Liz's little doctor looked, uh, little brother looked at the doctor, voice trembling, and said, um, yeah, Mr. Doctor, how long before I die? How long before I die? He came that day ready to die. 
He knew what she needed, and he had decided that her life was worth giving his for. And at the cost of his life, she would go free in his mind. That's what Jesus has done for us. At the cost of his own life, don't miss that, at the cost of his own life, he chose to come and to die that we might go free. That's what we're talking about here as since Jesus came to ransom us. So you say, Derek, that we might go free, free from what? And I'm so glad you asked because this is so important that we get this. Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 34, that we are enslaved to sin. What, would we go free, what could we go free from? What do we need to be freed from? One, we need to be free from sin. John, Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 34, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. He doesn't say that we occasionally step into it. He says we are held captive by it. And therefore, we need someone to free us. We need to be ransomed from its power. And not only that, but Jesus tells us that we need to be set free from the consequences of that sin. And that the penalty of our sin is eternal punishment. Look at what he says in Matthew chapter 25, verse 46. And these will go away into eternal punishment both the righteous into eternal life. Therefore, we need rescued. We need ransomed. We need someone to free us because we're trapped by the power of sin and in debt to the consequences of our sinful actions. So some may be tempted to say this morning, be honestly, I don't believe this garbage. I think it's just a bunch of stuff to make people feel bad about themselves. Or maybe if you have a guilty conscience, it makes you feel better about yourself. And I don't think any of this is true. Because if God was good, if he's real, and he was good, then he wouldn't send anyone to hell. No one would receive eternal punishment. Maybe that's kind of what's going through your mind right now. Or maybe a loved one that you know, that's what they've said to you. And, but I find it interesting that we hold God to a different standard than we would hold ourselves to. Because I'm willing to bet that if someone broke into your home, stole your property, and murdered your family, and at the court hearing, the judge says, well, since I'm a good judge, and I'm not going to hold the perpetrator accountable, you're free to go. I'm a good judge, you're free to go. You wouldn't agree that that's a good judge, right? To just let him go, or her go. You, you would call that judge evil and corrupt, to say, hey, I'm good, I'm forgiving, I'm just going to let you off the hook today. See, that's, that's an evil judge, that's a corrupt judge, that's a terrible judge. Yet, when it comes to us, we want God, who is, who is a just judge, to tell us, you're free to go. You're free to go, you said sorry, and that's enough, that's all I needed. You're sorry, you're free to go. But if he did, if God did that, he wouldn't be a just judge. He wouldn't be a good God. Therefore, there must be a payment made. Someone must take the punishment deserved for the crime that was committed, right? Sin must be paid for. And that's what Jesus did. He took on our punishment. He became the ransom for us. He became the payment that released every person who would ever place their faith in Jesus 
from the bondage of sin and its consequences. He freed us from that, and he paid the debt that was owed. All right, let me, let me point out one final thing in this verse, and then we'll begin to wrap this up. Again, Jesus tells us, he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Notice Jesus doesn't say all here. He says many. Give his life for a ransom for many. Why? Because not all will place their faith in him. And so we ask, well, is there a way for us to know if we are a part of the many that Jesus is talking about here? Is there a way for us to know if that's us? And the good news is there is. Look at Jesus' words in John chapter 15, verse 13. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. He says he will lay down his life for his friends. He will ransom those who are his friends. That's what he's doing here. He will lay down his life. He will ransom those who are his friends. So the question for us this Christmas is, are you a friend of Jesus? And if you are, then you've been ransomed. But if you aren't, it's not too late. Good news. It's not too late. You can become one this morning. And the invitation is open to you. The invitation is open to every single person in this room and in this world. And you say, okay, but what, is, what does that mean to be a friend of Jesus? He tells us in the very next verse. He says in verse 14, Jesus says, you are, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Now, now make sure you hear me say this. Make sure you're paying attention. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. That this is not how you become his friend. This is how you show that you already are his friend if you do what he has commanded, right? And therefore, if we are his friend, we have been ransomed. This is not how you, this is not how you make your friend, yourself a friend. This is how you show that you are a friend. Because remember, I said, when we are ransomed, we are set free from the bondage of sin. We are no longer slaves to sin, which means that we can walk in obedience. It means that we can see Jesus for the ultimate treasure that he is. And so let me bring this full circle for us this morning. I pointed out at the beginning that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. Which means, as I said at the beginning, we can't serve our way into the kingdom. We can't do enough good things to get ourselves into the kingdom. We can't serve ourselves into a friendship. Because what we serve God with, what we give God with, was already his. And so we don't earn our way into the kingdom. We don't earn our way into God's favor. Instead, we turn and we trust in what Christ has done to be enough for us. Because we can't earn our way to forgiveness, and we can't make ourselves right with God. Only Jesus can do that. We need Jesus to do for us what he said he came to do. To give, Mark 10, 45, to give his life as a ransom for many. We need that. We are needy people. And he lived the life that we could never live and paid the debt that we could never pay that we might spend eternity with him, forgiven and loved. Christmas first 
is condemnation on us before it's a celebration for us. But today we can celebrate because Jesus has come. And as the angel said in Luke chapter 2 verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Is he your Savior? Is he your Savior? Are you his friend? How do you know? How do you know if you're his friend? By your life, you show that you love him. By your life, you show that you trust him. Everything about you says, I need him. I'm not enough in my own. I cannot do it in my own strength. And my trust to come before a righteous God is not, I've checked enough boxes today or this week or this year for my life. My trust is what Jesus said, that it is finished, that it was finished. And that I just put myself in him. I'm in a relationship with him. My trust is in what he did, not in what I've done. And because my trust is in him for salvation, my trust is in him for my whole life. And so I do what he's commanded because I believe what he said is true and good and right and for my good. I don't do what he's commanded so that I can earn acceptance. I am accepted so I do what he's commanded. Does that make sense? I'm going to get those flipped. So important. By your life, do you show that you love him and that you've trusted in him? If not, then the Bible tells us to confess that. To come before him and, and to confess, God, I've lived for myself. I'm not trusted what your word says. I've not loved what you have to say. Honestly, I've hated it. And I've wanted nothing to do with it because it felt to me like a burden. Like you came just to make me a servant of yours to do whatever you want. I never, I never recognized you came to serve me. You came to ransom me. You gave your life so I could go free. And you confess that. You repent. Repent means to turn away from something, to be walking this way away from God, to repent, to do a full turn, 180, and go, God, I've been walking away from you. I'm going to begin to pursue you and follow you and trust in you. That's what repentance is. And then you follow him. You trust his word. You read it. You understand it. You continue to study it, and you go, God, I just want to know you. I love you. You're my treasure. I want to follow you. I believe your word is best. I believe that you came to save me, and that's where my hope is found. And if that's you this morning, there'll be some adults just over here on this side of the wall and that side of the wall. There's lots of chairs in the back, so we'll have some adults over there and over here. And if you want to talk with someone, let today be that day. Don't put it off. You say, well, I don't know what to do next. Do next, go talk to someone. They'll walk with you. What does it look like to follow Jesus? What does it look like to surrender your life? What's that next step look like? Talking with someone. Maybe you came today with a believer. Maybe someone invited you, so you... Tap him on the shoulder and say, I need to talk right now. I don't want to put it off. What does it look like to follow him? I want to do that. I want to surrender my life today. Maybe that's you. Or maybe in here today. And Christ is your savior. He is your friend. And what good news we possess. Right? What good news we possess. And what better way to make this Christmas, what better way to celebrate this Christmas than to make it about him? Maybe challenge you tomorrow morning before you open presents. Read Matthew 1, Luke 2. Say your hearts, remember why we celebrate Christmas. It's because a child came not to just be born, but to live and to die and to be a ransom for us. And so let today, let tomorrow be a time in which you adore him. 
in which you delight in who he is and remember that he has ransomed us. He has given his life so that we can go free. And we spend our lives praising him, adoring him. We're going to sing a song. Come, let us adore him. That is our desire. That is our encouragement as we gather together as a church. We want to corporately come together and worship him and say, come, let us adore him. He is worthy of our praise. So as you sing the song, you can stand and sing. You can stay seated. If you need to talk to someone, don't worry about singing right now. You need to get something right with God, don't sing. Just pray. I don't know how to pray. It's just talking with God like you would talk to someone else. But don't let this moment pass. If the Spirit is working in your life, listen and obey. For His glory and for our good.